Welcome to the Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast with Michael Lafito, where top luxury agents reveal their best practices, plus interviews with real estate industry influencers, thought leaders, and luxury marketing experts. You'll come away from each episode with new strategies and tactics to dominate high-end homes in any market. And now for the latest episode of Luxury Listing Specialist. Here's your host, luxury real estate expert, coach, and trainer, Michael Lafito. Welcome back to another episode of the Luxury Listing Specialist podcast. You're in the right place if you're an agent looking to work smarter, not harder. You're looking to increase the average sale price of a home you represent, and you're looking to bring more value to your seller clients. My name is Michael Lafito. I'm the host. Again, feel free to download previous episodes. You can find those on iTunes or Stitcher, or you can go to LuxuryListingPodcast.com. As I mentioned, Michael Lafito here, and our guest today, I'm really excited to, to bring him on. And um, I have Nick Bailey, who is the, the Chief Executive Officer and President of Century 21. Nick uh, has been at Century 21 since August of 2017, and previously he was um, at, at the Zillow Group and um, served also at REMAX um, Southwest, so um, at, at corporate at REMAX. So I'm really excited to bring Nick in. Nick, welcome. Thanks, Michael. appreciate it. Glad to be with you today. You know, um, we were talking a little bit offline, and you're just so highly regarded um, in your short time at Century 21. And pr- previous to that, I was introduced to you at a, a REMAX R4 conference, and uh, the gentleman just raved about you. So I know you're doing um, some really great things for the industry. You're doing some great things at Century 21. I, I know you guys have just gone under a kind of a rebranding refresh, and uh, just really excited uh, to have you on, um, on our podcast. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, it has been an incredible, uh, I guess, around seven months since joining. We have moved at an incredible pace and very proud to have just announced in past, uh, over the past couple of weeks the new rebrand and the new image moving forward for Century 21. It's been a huge hit, and the, the industry and the market has responded really, really positively. So um, momentum is great right now. Yeah, I could see why. I'm I'm really big, and I, we help agents with their branding and their mindset, and giving them direction on how to uh, tackle and, and attract more high end clientele. And uh, so, branding is, is is really big, but more than just branding is is the philosophy and the substance, and and getting the tools and resources behind it. Um, you know, as as you and I sit here this week, um, you know, realtor, you know, NAR came out with a new logo, and there's been a lot of pushback. And I'm not going to get into to the negative aspect. But, but you know, besides just changing a logo, you know, a, a brand refresh, um, besides just logo, as I mentioned, is really important. So, uh, like I said, I'm really um, excited to have you on. I've, I've already seen, you know, just tons of momentum behind Century 21 in the marketplace. And, um, you know, I know you were just at the T3 Summit uh, with Stefan's uh, group there and uh, some smart minds in that room. So, um so let's kind of get right into things. Um, uh, you you are you do tons of travel. You go to a lot of these conferences. Um, you know, as as we sit here in in, in April of 2018, um, what are you seeing? You know, after the first quarter, um, overall market wise, um, just all price points, and then specifically, you know, for the higher end and, and luxury properties. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Century 21, you call that your fine home and estates. That's kind of your luxury division, correct? Correct. 
Correct. Uh, yes, that's where agents can tap in and utilize marketing materials and channels that better represent that segment. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, so overall, kind of, what are you seeing? Um, what What do you see? What are some trends? Um, you know, buzzwords. You know, uh, I was at the Inman uh, New York conference, and you know, disruptor is a big word, right? That's a big buzzword you're hearing all the time. Disruption, disruptor, um, but. From your standpoint, what are you seeing overall? And, uh, you know, g- give your thoughts if you don't mind. Yeah, happy to. Uh, you're absolutely right on the disruptor comment. In fact, uh, you mentioned being at T3. I just got back yesterday. We spent a couple of days with some of the um, sharpest minds across the country in the industry. And the theme of their conference was disruption. And we looked at it in a couple of facets. Um, and, and here's something that came out of it where we are April 2018. The industry has done a much better job at recognizing um, whether you want to coin it disruption or not, here's what it is. It's that we're living in a consumer-driven movement in which consumers are expecting an easier, simpler way of engaging with products and services, and whether that be retail, whether it be engaging with their real estate agents, all across the board, it's about making things easier and reducing anxiety. And at this conference this last week, there was more talk about consumer experience, which is where we're taking the Century 21 brand on a focus area. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that's really important because, quite honestly, when you ask people that buy or sell real estate, um, would you like to do it again anytime soon? Most of them say no. And in fact, uh, our last study showed that 40% would rather have a root canal. And so, when you know, when we look at that, we say we've got an opportunity no matter what price point to create a better experience for consumers. So that's one component. The second component is the market. I think we're going to see in 2018 much of what we did in 17. And I think we overcomplicate the industry a bit at times with all of the analytics behind it. But pure and simple, we're in a supply and demand business. And because of the, and and we hear about generations, which has been a buzz over the last couple of years. But bottom line, we've got um, three generations in terms of boomers, ex-millennials, and there were 50% less Xers than either group on either side that are bookended. And so we knew that we were going to have a time in which household formation was going to decline. We went through that. And now we have huge demand for household formation, which has driven the supply of available inventory so low in most markets across the country that we've seen nice price appreciation. Um, so the question is, are we in a bubble? That term has started to come up again. And uh, I would say at this point, no, um, but every market real estate is local. Um, but what we're going to expect in 18 and 19 is I believe that we've got new construction. Those projects take years to get out of the ground on single family. And I think we'll start to see more of those in the second half of 18 and going into 19. Um, but I think we'll continue to see uh, an increase in overall prices in most markets. Um, likely some will be double digit. Most will be single. And it'll be strong into 19. But we also have to remember we're coming into the end of 19, starting that political cycle all over again. Um, And it seems, especially in high end, generally speaking, people get more conservative financially um, with the affluent and the high end buyers. And so I think we'll see that slow going into second half of next year. 
Interesting perspective. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, a couple of things I want to circle back. You, you talked about, you know, the better overall experience. And, and I've never heard that statistic before. I'm a big numbers guy, big quote guy, and I've never heard that statistic that 40% of, uh, of buyers or sellers that have recently gone through a transaction would rather have a root canal than go through that transaction again. <laughs> Is that what you said? <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. And, oh you know, God. it's interesting because when you look at the transparency and the experience that consumers are are having today in their day-to-day shopping. And I talk about Amazon is such a good one that people can relate to today and how it's changed their shopping experience. And I believe in a couple of years, there'll be Amazon trucks running around delivering packages versus FedEx and UPS. And their recent acquisition of Ring Doorbell is a great example of how, how the way in which packages and deliveries will happen to your home. Um, I, I told an audience last week, how comfortable would you be with the Amazon delivery person opening your front door um, and placing your package inside? And it creates great anxiety to think about. My forecast is there will be a not-so-distant future, a day in which you can't imagine getting deliveries any other way, and the thought of leaving them outside or with the neighbor would be unfathomable. And um, so that's an example of consumer trends. We'll relate that back to real estate. As soon as you go under contract as a buyer or seller, the process gets complex. There are a number of moving parts. And most of the time, the buyer or seller has to rely on traditional forms of communication via email, text, or telephone with their agent to get updates. And it's a big, dark, lonely, scary space for buyers and sellers. And when they get to the end of the road, they're exhausted and thankful that it happened and don't want to go through it again anytime soon. So that's what we've got to solve for. Uh-huh, uh-huh. There is a lot of anxiety. You're absolutely right, no matter what the price point is. You know, um, your analogy with um, Amazon and uh, deliverables of, you know, packages within the house, uh, literally, I was driving somewhere yesterday and I saw a package sitting on the on the front porch. And maybe it's because of the holidays and you see these reports of, you know, people with these doorbells and people stealing packages off front doors and, and, I, I would agree with you that I, I could see, you know, through obviously a lot of security clearance and so forth, but, but certain employees of certain companies having authorization to, you know, deliver packages within homes based on the fact that, you know, a lot of these thefts are, are, are occurring. Well, and you have to look at, okay, how does that relate to real estate and especially high end? And what we're really talking about here is smart home technology. And we're now seeing findings of data that there are a lot of buyers and sellers, or excuse me, a lot of buyers coming into the market. That there's a, a, an appeal for smart home technology, and they want it installed prior to purchasing the property. Um, I think this is going to be a big trend, and especially one that you see in high end. Um, and uh, by year 2022, uh, there is a study that indicates over 56% of homes will be installed with some type of smart home technology. And so the concept of someone approaching your home and it notifies you on a mobile device immediately and you can see them, hear them, engage with them, um, it almost reminds me of those old intercom systems that they used to have in high-end homes that you could talk right. between rooms and um, you, could, you could engage with someone at the front door. But we're doing that in a mobile environment. And so you would watch every single move of being able to unlock your home remotely, have a package dropped off. Um, re-secure the home. And a lot of that's already happening today. But yes. uh, that is something, especially in a high end, 
smart home technology is huge. Yeah, smart home technology. I always tell agents that are just breaking in, into selling high-end and luxury homes that if you are showing a high-end or luxury property or you're on a listing appointment and you're doing the tour of the home with the owner, assume you're being not just watched but also listened to. So, you know, if Correct. you're talking negatively about something or, or, you know, that sort of thing or talking strategy, you know, if you're working with a buyer, talking strategy and how, you know, your feedback in the home just – be, be, you know, be aware that you're probably being listened to and you're probably being wa- watched in some of these properties. I think that's a great recommendation. And I think today it feels creepy and big brother. Uh, and at the same time, I think it will just be the way of the world of how you view properties. Yeah. And um, because it used to be not so long ago, the concept of visual cameras and sound were for celebrities and the absolute top um, 0.01% of society. And now it's readily available to everyone. So it is becoming just part of our daily lives. And especially in what we do as real estate agents. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. I mean, we, we are, we are in a dinosaur industry and that's why I, you know, I love innovative, aggressive, you know, forward thinkers such as yourself. And when I say dinosaur, I'm not necessarily talking about leadership being older, but, but a lot of inside the box thinking, right? And that's where that, that disruptors, you know, has, has kind of grown some momentum behind it is because there's so many ways that, you know, brokerages and models are, are thinking traditionally and they're not adapting. I mean, just think about it. You know, I, I don't know how old you are, but when I grew up, Blockbuster was, uh, you know, on every corner and people look forward to on a weekend going there and, and, and getting their movie. And, and then just recently, as you know, Toys R Us is, is going to be closing at doors. So, you know, this is, this, many people think real estate is, is, a, is the next industry that's, that's up for that big disruption. But, you know, a lot of times I have these agents, they get all nervous and anxious about that. But I say, listen, it's still a, it's a people-based business. And just like Theodore Roosevelt said, nobody cares how much you know until they know you care. And so if you bring value to the table, you care about the client, the consumer, you know, you deliver a better experience, what you talked about, that's what makes us a valuable resource. Agree. And there's, I I like to break it into very specific segments of um, disruption and change, but what does that really mean to the industry? And I was on stage yesterday and I said, I believe 50% of the change will come from us as an industry and 50% will come from outside. Because when you look at statistically, uh, last year of all buyers, 42% were first-time home buyers. That's usually where the conversation stops. 71% of them were under the age of 37 years old. And so with the number of buyers coming into the market that are within that age category, there is an inherent need for them to communicate in a certain way. I have two kids, 13 and nine. Um, you ask my age, I'm 43 years old. I still consider myself fairly young for this industry. Uh, or at least I keep telling myself that. Um, yeah, and it's 43 the same time. Is a new, 43 is a new 30, just so you know. I'm 43, <laughs> by the way. So. There you go. We're, we're young guys, put it that way. Yep. Um, and we look at and we say, gosh, the way these kids are communicating with their friends and, and interacting through technology and mobile devices, well, those are some of the same ones that are purchasing property now and will be over the next five years. And so what's most important for us is, as agents and the industry to realize and help lead the way on this is we have to be ready to communicate with them in the manner in which they want to. Because if you don't, they will find someone that will. 
Yeah. And so this is this is less about a decade ago where you had to learn certain technology to um, cultivate your your sphere and and work a CRM or how you're going to send out postcards. This is more about the next evolution of technology is more about consumer engagement. And that's where we're at. Mm. And the more finicky the buyer, luxury high end, the more demand is going to be on utilizing the way in which they want to communicate, which is mobile first. It's a remote control of our life in our hands at all times. Hey there, it's Michael Lafito. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. If you are interested in signing up for our luxury listing specialist certification, or if you want additional information on how you can dominate selling higher end homes in your marketplace, make sure you go to luxurylistingspecialist.com. Yeah, I mean, and just ask, right? Many times agents ask me, hey, Michael, how, how do we find out the way they want to be communicated? Just ask, you know, Nick, how, how do you prefer that we communicate with you? Text, you know, email, phone call, you know, personal visit. Per, you know, a lot of times with high net worth individuals, they, 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 they want to make sure that they're not forgotten about, as any buyer or seller, you know, wants to feel. But, but yes, you need to communicate with them the way they want to be communicated too. And, you know, Smartphone technology, it's not, not so much, but I remember, you know, six or seven years ago, Nick, I was dealing with a client and he didn't have a smartphone. And so for him to type the letter C, he had to hit the number one three times, right? And so if you're texting <laughs> with him and he's getting binged at 10 cents a text, incoming text, you might be adding stress to the gentleman's life. So I, that was a, a great eye-opener reminder to me that communicate with people the way they want to be communicated to. Yeah, and it's good advice. And here's where I hear people go wrong with that. They say, yeah, but if I can just get him on the phone, that's my sweet spot where if I can get Michael to answer, I can develop rapport and turn him into a client, which I can't do that through text or other mediums. Um, But I say that that's not true because I look at the demand of my schedule. And uh, we've been looking and considering relocation. And so I've been uh, one foot into being a buyer and seller um, over the past six months. And, um, you know, flirting with the idea and I don't have time to be on the phone. Um, so okay. most of, most of my interaction is over text, um, mm-hmm. or within social media platforms. And okay. so if someone came at me and said, yeah, but if I could just get Nick on the phone, we develop rapport. They're out in my book. Yes. Um, it, that may be true, but my lifestyle does not afford me the opportunity to talk on the phone like it used to. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. So um, let's talk a little bit about the luxury landscape. Um, how do you, you know, based on your finger on the pulse, I know it's all relative um, per region. Within a region, it's even different within a zip code. But, you know, from a, you know, 10,000-foot view, um, what are you seeing overall? Um, I know you talked about the, the election landscape, you know, as 2019, you know, comes up. Um, but are, are you seeing it loosen up at all? Are you seeing it... You know, what's your take? Yeah, so we're already starting to see some of that as we come into 2018 from 2017. Um, You're right that it is local and we can talk about luxury and what defines that, whether that be three times the average price in a market or as you refer to high end being 2x within a market. Um, But if we just look at it from a global perspective, worldwide, the average starting price of a luxury home is around 2.1 million which is down slightly from last year's 2.2. So that says that's a little bit softer. Um, And at the same time, I think one of the biggest things uh, that's been interesting to us has been 
the sales price relative to the list price. And when you look at um, properties that fit in this category, um, the comparison from, say, 2015 to today, 72% of the properties in the U.S. took longer than six months to sell than they did just a couple of years ago. But more importantly um, is the sales price ratio, which homes over that six-month mark can be as low as 71% sale price to list price, whereas sold in less than six months, it's 93%. Now, that's just common sense in the industry that you have to price it right. And if it's not, uh, you know, price it high and it'll sit. And that's where sellers make some of the biggest mistakes sometimes. Um, But this seems exacerbated in the luxury market. And yet we have more higher end homes sold in the last couple of years at over a hundred million bucks. You know, in 2016, the world's 10 most expensive residential sales exceeded a hundred million dollars, which is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. But as you know, in this market, um, high net worth individuals, whether they're in the stock market and multiple investments, their necessity to to go from a $5 million to a $10 million home is they may, they don't have to. And right. if the stock market changes, they get more conservative in a matter of hours. Whereas the average home buyer is looking at shelter and maybe doesn't want to be a renter anymore. So we always do see more flux, but we always look at the luxury market as a key indicator on the overall market because generally speaking, it moves first. When you start to see it slow and get a little more conservative within 12 to 24 months, you're going to see the average price get somewhat more conservative. So if history repeats itself and what we're seeing um, from last year into this year would have all indications um, that in the next 24 months, we could see the market overall get a little bit more conservative. Based on low inventory, like I said, I think it's going to be very, very strong uh, overall, but just maybe not as aggressive. Well, you, you certainly bring a wealth of experience and knowledge to the table, and, and that's what we consistently tell agents is, is grow your knowledge and your confidence will grow. Many times I'll have agents say, hey, Mike, I, I'm new to the business, or I'm with XYZ Realty Company, and we don't specialize in luxury. And, and I tell agents all the time, grow your knowledge and your confidence will grow. And so you rattled off some numbers. You're very familiar with various resources. I'm a, I'm a student of the game and I recommend agents, no matter what brand you're with, there's some great white papers, great resources out there. You know, we do some consulting and, uh, you know, one of our uh, strategic alliances is with concierge auctions and they put together last year a, a days on market index report where they dissected 27 marketplaces throughout the U.S. and, and the top 10 highest sales from the two previous years that occurred in those 27 markets. And bottom line is, those properties, 60 to 80% of those top 10 highest sales took years to sell. So it's either going to sell within the first six months or it's going to be on the market for a long time. So sure. again, understanding this, articulating this, being able to convey this to a potential seller is really important to manage their expectations up front and throughout the process. I, I completely agree. And knowing to where some of those buyers are coming from, um, not just on the seller side, uh, but we had uh, a huge number, uh, $153 billion of investment in residential real estate come, came from international uh, last year. 
And yet at the same time, when you start to break that down and you look at the Chinese buyer, for example, and some of the barriers to to purchasing for them and things that have changed, that's going to impact which markets um, have that six-month or years days on market. And something else I think is fascinating right here is some of the world's fastest-growing or hottest luxury markets are in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at Toronto, Ontario, uh, British Columbia, they are all really hot, hot for luxury. And yet we're seeing some interesting ones pop up. There's always a couple of parks in Florida. Obviously, we've got our, our high end within some of the cities within Manhattan and, and parts of California have always sat at the top of the list. But look at Austin, Texas and Charleston, South Carolina and San Diego. Those are three ones that radar that just because of, of commerce and some of the companies that have landed there with high paying um, jobs and high net worth individuals that we're starting to see a lot of traction gaining in the luxury market in, in those areas. And they've historically not been on the list or had the radar pointing directly at them. So I think all of those things are what we should be paying attention to on where we're watching some of these high-end buyers move around the country. Yeah, great, great point, um, really. Um, so understanding the num- numbers, understanding perhaps uh, I call it the migration, right? Where, are, what cities are are people coming from? Um, that's really important too. When agents are determining um, who their buyer is, you know, we use the term all the time: who the avatar is for your potential property you're marketing. Whether it be a three hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, a luxury home, is it a, is it a buyer with a family? Are they single? Are they car enthusiast? Whatever you know is unique about that property. Trying to figure out who that avatar is and then cater your marketing efforts towards them. Again. There's no guarantees, right? Not, not all of it works all the time, but, it, but you really need to identify who your potential buyer is and understanding, you know, those, those marketplaces and, and uh, you know, those various data, you know, data points, you know, are really important. Uh, you, you, well, I, 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 think you're, I think you're right on, and especially, especially with the affluent clientele, they're going to have done the research themselves, talking about consumer-driven and if you're not up to speed, they're going to know it. They can sniff that out, and, and uh, you're not going to be a contender in getting their business. So I, I think especially when we start breaking down the market between a first-time home buyer, an average uh, price buyer or seller, or once you get into uh, a more high net worth individual, generally done more research on average. And so I think you have to even 2x, 4x uh, the understanding being prepared for that particular consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we have um, our consulting company uh, is working with an agent right now down in Nashville, which is a hot market overall, and uh, this property has got historical significance. It was on the TV show Nashville and the main character's home. It's currently on the market for $18 million, and, and, you know, we're working with the agent and the owner, and the home was built in 1999, Nick, and uh, the owner put her personal finishes, just like most homeowners do, through the furnishings and the wall coverings, etc. And uh, they believe that the buyer is not going to be local because it's been on the market. And so, so making sure you're positioning these properties to, to be attracted to who the end user is, it's really important, but it's very difficult when a seller has got a lot of, you know, is emotionally tied to the home and, and it's their style. But when you go to sell, you have to cater to the majority and not to just those buyers that like your personal decorating. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's very true. And, you know, in many cases they look at it and say, 
when you're spending this much, um, why buy Raina James home, you know, quote yeah. Raina James home in Nashville, yeah. but yeah. how about I find a plot of land and build something that's exactly what I want. Yeah. Um, and, and so bottom line is the more dollars you have means the more choices you can make. And I think that in itself creates a flux within the luxury market that drives the data um, more so from an emotional perspective than maybe it does in the average price points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you rattled off some numbers, understanding list-to-sale ratio, days on the market. Really owning those numbers uh, is really important. Uh, I was working with someone yesterday. They have uh, a property that they're selling, and there, there were two sales above 1.25 for this particular community, and 10 are on the market. Well, boom, that's real easy, five years of inventory. So, you know, when you're in a, when you're in a buyer's market or a seller's market, and that's the key, I think, that – Everybody under, needs to understand their local numbers. You need to own your numbers. Is it overall buyer's market or a seller's market? But I challenge, Nick, that all the people listening to this podcast, that at some price point in any market, the shift occurs from a seller's market, days on the market are, are low, multiple offers, to a buyer's market. At some price point in every market, that shift occurs. And when you make that shift and you are in a buyer's market, you know that's where you know being on top of your game, being a student of the game, making a better overall experience, you know, articulating these things, is, 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 it's, it's vital because days on the market are toxic when it comes to selling a home, as you know. And um, so, again, really good insight. So, Well, and to that, to that point, Michael, I think there's one thing that ends up happening. When the shift between buyer and seller market starts to happen, <clears throat> for the vast majority of people, it's delayed response because home sellers are still looking at what is my neighbor's house listed or the house is listed and they're still looking at list prices as compared to days on market versus truly what sold prices. You know, agents are experts in this, but I think when you look at, for example, when I talked about um, just high end worldwide, looking at um, it going from 2.2 million as an entry point to 2.1 million, and we just see that slight change that indicates that if we have a slight reduction in overall price, that means obviously supply is going up and we've got to be very careful with the average days on market and not fall into the trap of where most sellers do, which is they're looking at what's on the market, not what's off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. Well, good. Um, anything else that you'd like to share a little bit about um, maybe what you have going on at Century 21 and fine homes in the States, uh, your, your luxury division there? Um, and, um, and again, if anybody wants to find out more about Century 21, um, what, what's the two-part question? The second part is, you know, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, well, it's definitely, uh, with all the press that's been uh, out there about our rebrand, it's pretty exciting times right now. and will be for 2018, uh, just kind of getting started. But uh, brand is 47 years strong, new image, new branding. And like you said earlier, it's not about a logo. It's, it's what it means. Um, and so with this, the driving force behind this rebranding was our mission statement, which we launched and, and changed and announced a few months back, which was to defy mediocrity and deliver extraordinary experiences. And that fits right into what we've talked about today. And so the network is in 80 countries, 8,000 locations, and 118,000 um, sales professionals and growing. So very exciting times. Um, we're also looking at, since we just launched the rebrand of C21 as a whole, we're also relaunching the brand of fine homes and estates. Um, I got a sneak peek just a few weeks ago at the final, um, 
sharp. It's awesome. It will help agents with their high-end buyers and sellers and come on that um, in the next couple of weeks. We'll be announcing it. But a couple of things that people can do if they're curious, if they haven't seen the extent of the rebranding, they can visit rebrand.c21.com and they can see the new look and feel and get an insight of what it means. And then the other side of it is if they're just generally interested in the company as a whole or careers, franchise investment, then go to century21.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know you're busy. You're on a plane probably more than you're on the ground because uh, you're in high demand. You're doing some great things. So really, truly appreciate your time, Nick. My pleasure. Great being with you today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And if anybody wants more information on previous podcasts, Nick talked a little bit about the changing dynamic and, 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 and money coming in from other countries and Chinese buyers. We had a guy on, Frank Azami from Sotheby's in Scottsdale, Arizona, and he talked about offering owner financing, not because you want a pool of unqualified buyers, but because of some countries have some taxation on money and there's qualified buyers that can purchase that home by offering seller financing. So if you want some creative ideas, if you haven't listened to some of our podcasts, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, go to luxurylistingpodcast.com. And if you think you have a, a nominee, somebody you think would be a great contributor to this podcast, feel free to share that with me. Send, send me an email, michael at marketingluxurygroup.com, michael at marketingluxurygroup. Or if you have any questions, please direct those as well to michael at marketingluxurygroup. Again, our book's out, Luxury Listing Specialist. You can find that on Amazon. My name is Michael Lafito. Remember, it's not the market, it's the marketing. Continue to prove them wrong. Until ne- next time, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. <music>